0: Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Audrey Roloff. Audrey and her husband, Jeremy, are the founders of a marriage blog called Beating 50% and they're the co-authors of a brand new book that is about to come out called A Love Letter Life. You also might remember them from the television show, Little People Big World, but however you know her, Audrey is amazing and you're going to learn a ton from her today. In today's episode, Audrey's sharing her very best marriage advice. Everything from increasing intimacy and connection with our spouse, to carving out time and money for date nights, to bringing romance into our marriages, even in hard, tricky seasons. And that's just the beginning. You are going to love this conversation. My favorite part was when Audrey shares with us about expectations and how clear expectations solve so many conflicts we face in marriage or stop them in their tracks before they even have time to unfold. I'm so excited to share this with you. But before we dive in, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. So I know that a lot of you listening may already be married, but I also know that so many of the incredible women in our community are navigating the dating scene, specifically wondering, am I ready to start dating? How do I figure that out? Friends, if this is a question you're asking these days, I have a resource that I know will really help. It's a free quiz that will help you ask and answer the 10 questions we should all think through before we dive into a relationship. It's one of my very favorite resources we have around here. And if you haven't picked up a copy yet, I would love to send one your way. I got an email recently from a woman in our community that took the quiz and I love what she had to say about it. She said, this quiz helped me decide whether or not to pursue a relationship with my current boyfriend. I took it three months ago and learned a ton about myself and now I'm in the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Yes and amen to that, right? Friends, if you wanna download a copy of your own, just head to my Instagram profile. I'm at sma Wilson over on Instagram. And if you click the link in my profile, you'll find the link where you can download the quiz. And again, it's totally free. Again, I'm at Wilson over on Instagram. And if you click the link in my profile, you'll see the button that says, are you ready to start dating quiz? And you can download it right there. I cannot wait to send this your way. Okay, so with that said, I'm so excited for this week's episode. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Audrey Roloff. Okay, friends, I am here with a very special guest. You are going to love our guest for today. I'm sitting here with my brand new friend, Audrey Roloff. Audrey, thanks so much for being here.
1: So fun. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, So for anyone who doesn't know you, who hasn't gotten the chance to be friends with you yet, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and I would love to hear a fun fact about you.
1: Oh, a fun fact. Okay, so I am... Audrey Roloff. Um, Most of you probably know me. Um, So my husband grew up on a reality television show called Little People, Big World. And so we kind of did the reality TV thing for a while. Our wedding was on TV um, and all of that. And we actually just recently stepped away from it to sort of pursue, scratch our entrepreneurial niche, if you will. And so um, I have a clothing line that's all about inspiring women to believe in the more that is within them through Christ. It's based on a verse, the verse in Ephesians 320. And then my husband and I started a newlywed sort of beginning years of marriage ministry. It's called Beating 50%. Um, It's a blog, you know, it's got the social platforms and everything, but the heart behind it is really just to inspire people to invest more in their marriages and just to always be giving more to their marriage. And then we you know we just launched a podcast a couple months ago and that's been super fun. So, fun. Um, so you know we dabble in the online space and then our first book we co-authored it is coming out this spring. It's called A Love Letter Life and it's essentially our love story from our first date to our wedding day. But we kind of like to say it's sort of this is us esque. If you've seen that TV show so <laughs> uh, where good. we like flash back and forward in time. So like we'll flash forward for our marriage and then flash back to dating. So yeah, that's kind of like. Who we are, who I am, what I do. Fun fact. So I, my husband, or sorry, not my husband. My uncle is a famous jazz musician. His name is Chris Bodie. If you're listening, your parents probably know who he is. (laughs) Um, But he, so he played in, he actually like dated Katie Kirk for a long time. That kind of blew him up. He played in Sting's band for a long time. And that kind of launched his career. So when I was eight years old, I got to sing on stage with Sting. And that was a pretty cool, like fun fact experience. (laughs) So I'm not a singer. I'm actually that's what I was going to ask is like, can you sing? No, (laughs) (laughs) I cannot sing. But I was so proud of myself, you guys, that I like practiced this song brand new day by Sting like over and over and over for, like, basically a year because my uncle said I could sing on stage with them if I memorized all the words. And, you know, I'm an eight-year-old, so I'm cute, and, like, whatever, singing voice, doesn't matter. But now I have, like, the lowest, raspiest voice. I'm the worst singer ever, Stephanie. It's, like, terrible. I
0: um, <laughs> so, I love that but, so much. I love that you're, like, <laughs> I, I love that you had this incredible opportunity, and you're like, you know what, I just went for it. Like, that's yeah. that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and that's what, like, the best thing is about us when we're eight, that I feel like, right. why did oh, we yeah. lose that? Like, I... I just feel like singing. I'm going to sing. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Maybe I'll I'll be like eight year olds. (laughs) That is an amazing fun fact. That is awesome. Yeah. Pretty fun. That's my claim to fame. So, (laughs) Hey, I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty epic. That's amazing. Um, okay. So Audrey, I would love, you know, um, you talk about this in your book, which I'm so excited about, but I would love to hear like just a bit of your backstory. Like how did you meet Jeremy? How long have you guys been married? Just give us, cause we're going to be talking a lot about marriage today and how to invest in our marriages. I would love yes. for the women to just hear, like, just tell us a little bit about your love story and, and how you've gotten to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So I, I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, you know, just to get that out of the way. Like I, I was, I've basically, I don't remember a before Jesus in my life. So that's kind of my story. Um, Jeremy is kind of the same and we met, we were actually in college and we were both going to school still in Oregon. Um, at the time, Jeremy was going to a community college, sort of close to where I went to school. And so we had friends that set us up on a blind date Um, before church. Uh, We both went to the same church, but it was kind of a bigger church. And so we didn't know each other. I knew of Jeremy, but I had never seen the TV show, none of that. Um, But one of my best friends was dating one of his best friends that he grew up with. And so they set us up and we went on this blind date and we tell the story in the book. Um, It's pretty hilarious, (laughs) but it was not really sparks fly at the first Date. Uh, it was more for Jeremy than it was for me. But then we sort of had this two-year-long friendship where I was very stubborn and very resistant to Jeremy. And he pursued me so patiently and so persistently. And then we decided to start actually dating. Um, I finally sort of like let my walls down, is how I would describe it in the book. Ten days before he went off to school in Santa Barbara. And so I w- I stayed and went to college at Oregon State. I was a collegiate distance runner and so stayed there. And we did three years long distance through college, hardly saw each other. We wrote letters, hence the name of the book, A Love Letter Life, and then basically graduated school and got married. And then we moved away to Los Angeles and started doing the corporate job thing. Jeremy was pursuing commercial photography and videography at the time. So that was kind of the pull there. Um, We continued filming for Jeremy's family's reality show. And then we sort of did that for a while and we're like, ah, we just had this like burning desire to work together, Jeremy and I, and we both love writing and sharing our lives and just, you know, entrepreneurial things. And so we sort of decided that we were going to Give it, give it a shot. Take that leap of faith and leave our corporate jobs. And so we started beating fifty percent around this time, and just kind of start entered into like the online space of working together and running a business together and a ministry together. Um, And it has been so life giving and fun, but also so challenging. So we've been doing that for the past four years. We've been married for five years almost, and we have a sixteen month old daughter. She is like such a joy and a little spitfire. Her name is Ember and we named her Ember because we fell in love around a campfire pit. <laughs> that is so, so cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like sparks notes. I don't want to give too much away because there's all the juicy details, of course, on the book, but <laughs> that's sort of the, how we met in a nutshell.
0: I love that so much. And um, I <laughs> laughed a little bit when you said that you guys work together and that it has like it's great, and then it has its challenges. Um, yeah. my husband and I <laughs> met because we were working together. He was sort of kind of my boss. Like, not a hundred percent, not like he didn't he couldn't fire me, I don't think. Um, but he was a little bit my boss. So it was a little scandalous. And we also <laughs> had to n- navigate that working together where, you know, he would have to tell me that something I worked on like needed improvement, and then we'd yeah. have to go on a date. And like, my goodness, it it totally Like how much we've gotten to work together in our marriage has been amazing, but also has its challenges. (laughs) You guys work together now? No, we work, um, so no, he he has a marketing and branding company and he works uh, like at an office space here in Nashville. And I work from home and do um, all my writing and speaking and yeah. podcasting and stuff. We do work side by side on some things. Like we collaborate yeah. on some things. Like he's working on a website for me right now. Yeah, he's and got skills that would help. <laughs> totally, totally. But yeah. I always say like, I feel like the skills that he has that can help me so much and vice versa are like the best thing about us mm-hmm. and the worst thing about us. Because yeah. then you have- like you're sort of crossing roles a little bit where you're like, Hey, what do you want to do for dinner? When are we going on a date? And also, is my website done yet? Oh my
1: gosh. Oh yeah. Just as a whole, is that true for you guys too? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've been struggling with that a lot lately because we, we do work together on literally everything. We work from home together, raise our daughter together you know, everything together (laughs) basically, (laughs) um, which we love and would not have it any other way, even though it's hard and has its challenges. We absolutely love doing what we do. And we love that our date nights can be us dreaming up things that we want to create and, and share. And it's just, it's so fun. And, um, we, I think for a while kind of, we're feeling that burden of like, oh, we have to have this separation of what we do and, you know, our date nights where we can't, where we don't talk about work. And we were trying to do that for a while and it, just like we sucked at it (laughs) and we just kind of, we realized like, you know what? Like, why are we trying to do this? Like, why would we not just give ourselves the freedom to talk about what we love and what we get to do together and like, see this as a blessing that we get to like, you know, talk about these things and have all these shared experiences and like dream together and work together. It's so amazing why why try to like diminish that or or stuff it into this box of like only work time you know yeah so we've just kind of been embracing that in the past year and it's been very freeing so i feel like there are all these rules that people sort of
0: put on marriages of like you know, yeah, you should have work or like date nights where you don't ever talk about work, but those things don't always fit our lifestyle. Or Like, I, I feel like we should take those things in and examine them and see if they make sense for us and yeah. take the, take the, the essence of them. Like, yes, it's totally good. If you guys were like, you know, comparing to-do lists on your date night, well, that's different than, dreaming together and like, you know, getting excited about things together. So, so I feel like the essence, yeah, like sometimes we get, we get too tied up in, in like different rules, but everyone's Mm -hmm. marriage and everyone's relationship is different and needs different things. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the same for us, you know, we don't, we try not to talk about like the things that need to get done (laughs) when we're on a date, but we have some of our best dreamiest, what if we did this kind of conversations when we're on a date? And I guess they're technically work-related, so. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Man, it's a whole thing. Um, one know, more question really. for you. When When were you guys married? Because we are coming up on five years, too. We're, like, oh, pretty really close. Oh, really
1: awesome. Okay, well, we're well, a little bit out. September.
0: Okay, we were in July. Sorry. So we're okay, both, nice. like, ra- can you believe it's been five years? No.
1: <laughs> it is, like, just the crazy. And do you have kids yet? No, we don't. Okay. Yeah. That makes it go by even faster (laughs) because the past year and a half, I'm like, wait, what? It's been a year and a half. Like, no, she was just born four months ago. I feel like, um, yeah, it goes, it flies. It's It's insane. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's so
0: crazy. Well, so Audrey, tell me about, you know, you mentioned this quickly, but tell us about beating the 50%. Like where, tell us more about like the ministry and why you're so passionate about this topic. Just Tell us all about it. I want to hear. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, you know, I like to always put this up front as kind of like a disclaimer, but, you know, obviously we've only been married five years. So we don't claim to be marriage experts or anything like that. And being 50% kind of came out of the fact that, you know, we decided to like share our wedding day with the world. We joke about it like, we made this decision. We actually talk about it in the book. We almost didn't film our wedding, but we ma- we had to make the decision to invite two, mi- 2 million people to our wedding or 200 people to our wedding. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so it was kind of crazy. Um, and we decided to invite the 2 million and it was nuts. At um, least you don't have to put place blessing. cards for
0: them. Like, or, you know, at least they don't factor into your head count for like right. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but we basically, you know, got to share like a piece of our love story with the world and our vows and people kind of just watched our wedding day unfold. And people were interested and and asked like lots of questions in the online space and on my blog and sent emails and people would send these emails to me and I would forward them to my mom, Stephanie, because I was like, I can't answer these questions. People are asking me like marriage related, you know, like super deep stuff about relationships. And I have been married for a hot minute. Like who am I to answer? You know? Um, but I think like, we just like Jeremy and I have always had such a heart for relationships. Um, and that's kind of what people were most interested in when it came to like what we shared about in our writings and on our blogs and stuff like that. And so we just kind of gravitated to that naturally. And we also just had this sort of passion to like revive a re- redeem the perspective of marriage that our generation has. like because I think I don't know if you experienced this, but when we got engaged, we got so much pushback, not only in the online space, but even from friends and family who were just like, you know, buckle up, son, get ready to lose your freedom. And just made comments and remarks that were so negative surrounding marriage about like how hard it is and how like, you know, you know, life sucking it is instead of life giving. And we were just so frustrated by that. And we're like, you just, we want to like, redeem that perspective of marriage for our generation and and show people like the amazing blessing that that it can be and that it is and so a lot of the heart of beating 50 came from that and um around the time when we decided to like launched the blog and, and, and all of that. We were actually moving from Los Angeles back to Oregon and we were in this moving box store and we saw this quote that was hanging in the moving box store. And it said, it was this picture of this old couple and they were holding each other. And it said, back in our day, when something broke, you fixed it instead of throwing it away. And I just loved that because I was like, our generation, like we don't learn to fix things, you know, we just buy a new one, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like the world that we're living in now.' And and so like that has sort of translated over, unfortunately, to a lot of relationships. And so Jared and I's heart is to just like inspire people and give them to the tools to fix instead of throwing away and to view their marriage as a covenant, not a contract that can, you know, that can't be broken. And so one of the things that like we've sort of, that has sort of come out of beating 50% is this marriage journal that we have. And I don't know if you've seen it, Stephanie, but it's essentially like, six questions that you ask your spouse every single week. They're the same six questions, so they never change. We've been doing it every Sunday, asking each other these six questions for the past five years. And we started doing it like on our honeymoon and, and we actually got the idea from our premarital counselors who had been doing it for 18 years. And we just loved the idea of like this sort of weekly check-in. The questions are super simple. Like what brought, what's one thing that brought you joy this week? What's one thing that was hard this week? What's one thing I can do for you? So they're like very basic, but it's this like good time to talk about it in our marriage. You know, when you kind of just like table things throughout the week that come up conversations, you know, you need to have, but there's never that good time. (laughs) and so that's what this marriage journal has become for us is this good time to talk about it um and there's one question in there that is is there any unconfessed sin unresolved hurt or conflict from the week that we need to seek reconciliation for or whatever and that has been like such a bitterness prevention tool such a conflict prevention tool such a helpful thing for just communication and and honest conversations between the two of us so a lot of the beating fifty percent sort of community, if you will, has sort of gravitated to that resource, and it has sort of become this own community of people that do this marriage journal. And it's just been like so amazing to see um, how it's changed other people's marriage, and to see how it continues to change our own. So, yeah, we just we love marriage, we love relationships, we love love, and <laughs> um, we do not claim to be experts, but we were very blessed with lots of just good community and mentorship along. The journey to I do for us and, and then even on into marriage. And so we just kind of choose to share what we've learned from others and also what we've learned from failing and hope that it can be an encouragement to others. So
0: I love that so much. And as you're talking about the advice people gave you or the things people said to you when you got engaged, I'm like, I'm nodding like crazy over here because I, we had enough people say, and it wasn't like our, parents or any, I mean, our family and friends were really excited right. and supportive, Absolutely. but it was right. like weird, like yeah. strangers One-out or conversations. something. Yes. Yeah. They would be like, oh, good luck. Marriage is so hard. Or mm-hmm. I mean, everyone would say marriage is so hard. Marriage is so hard. No one could explain to me why it was hard. And yeah. at one point I wanted to be like, so are you saying we shouldn't do this? Like, yeah, right. this is so hard. That's all you can say about it. It just felt so it just, it was like the only thing people said and, and it made me mad and it made me scared. And, um, and then once we got married, it was like, wait a minute. That's the only thing people are saying. That's crazy. There's so much more to the yeah. story. I was trying to explain to a friend why, why marriage is hard. Like, so yes, there are mm-hmm. days and there are situations where marriage is hard. And I was trying to explain it. And like the best example I could come up with was you're signing up for a lifelong three-legged race. Yeah, <laughs> and you're you're like attaching that's one so of good. your legs to one of their legs and then you have to walk. But not only do you have to walk, sometimes you have to run or do mm-hmm. an obstacle course. So you go through really hard seasons and you have to figure out like okay, who's in charge? Who says left? Like one of you says left at the same moment the other one says right and you fall or mm-hmm. like yeah. you know, you're one of you is moving faster in a season, the other one's moving slower and that's frustrating and and like you you can get further in some ways if you're just running by yourself and you get to control the whole race. But there's so many things that are so much better about getting to do it with another person. But I feel like that's okay. that's the only way I've been able to explain why it's hard. It's just because you just tied your life to
1: someone and that's like clunky sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, merging two people that are full of their own struggles and, and and lies that they've been fed about themselves and pasts and all that, and then saying, okay, you're one now, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> we <laughs> have enough stuff to work out with the Lord in our own, you know, on our own, but now together you merge that. And, you know, so it's definitely a journey, but um, we just try to be like more intentional about sharing the good parts and not in a way that, you know, sugarcoats marriage because it is hard and can, you know. it's something that we do have to work at, but like, you know, Stephanie, like we love what we do and it's hard and we work at it, but we love it, you know, exactly. Yeah. It's like training for a race is hard. Like it's rewarding and, and you love it, you know? And so, yeah, we just, we try to be more intentional about just sort of casting a better light and, and sharing not just the hard parts, but the good parts. Like, you know, here's what we love about marriage and here's why it's amazing and, and encouraging the younger generation that like, hey, this isn't something that you have to be afraid of. This isn't something that you have to run away from. You know, this can be an exciting, amazing, it can be one of the things, like most joyful things of life, you know? Yep. Um. So. I love that so much. I feel
0: like I needed that so, and I, I did have friends and family who were that, who were like, you know, stuff. this is fun. This is fun yeah, and it's worthwhile right. and it's funny. And, and most days it really does feel like having a sleepover with your best friend. Yeah, like exactly. it, it is so good. And yeah, everything that's worthwhile is like challenging at some, sometimes I feel like that's a better word than hard, like challenging. Yes, it, it challenges you, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's true with friendship and with your relationship with your parents and with moving to a new place or taking on a new challenge. Like it's, it's challenging. Right. But it's so good. So I'm so, I love the work yes. that you guys are doing. I oh, also I love the question about um, are there any unresolved hurts? I feel like mm-hmm. Carl and I both got to really learn how to, how to have that conversation um in the time when we were single. And mm. it has served us better than really. I mean, it's it's like the best tool we have in our tool belt, um, yeah. being able to say before things blow up into right. something that they don't need to be, to just say, hey, like this hurt me. And and doing it on a regular basis so that, yeah, things don't have mm-hmm. the chance to turn into resentment. I love that. Absolutely. Um, so Audrey, I would love it if you could share just a couple of things that we can do in our marriages to bring more intimacy and connection and fun into them. If someone is sitting here today being like, you know, I'm married and, and I want, and things are going well, I would like them to go better. Like, I just want to, I want to invest yeah. in it. What are some things like just talk us through that? How can we bring more intimacy and connection and fun? into our marriages today.
1: Yeah, totally. So, you know, these don't take these as gospel. These are just a few things that have really helped us. But um, I would say the first, just going off kind of what we were talking about earlier is our marriage journal. It's been um, one of the other questions in it is what's a dream craving or desire that's been on the forefront of your mind this week? And I love that question because so much, so many of our adventures, trips, trips, you know like fun spontaneous things that we do come from that weekly question but also just like the intimacy of those sunday night conversations the honest conversations that come from it just the hard things that we get to work out that do make us more close um once we've worked through them you know <laughs> um but that marriage journal has been a lifeline for us it's like the best thing for just continuing to constantly um nurture our communication in our relationship and so that's been awesome. We like to say, you know, it's, it's a connecting tool and, and it's a growing in love tool. And it also like, is so cool that we can look back on our entries and go like, Oh my gosh, like, look at where we've came from, you know? And, um, just to reflect back on just seeing how we've grown and, and that, that sort of record of the growth of our love is like so cool to have. So that is for sure one. We also always end every marriage journal, like entry or whatever in prayer. So like we do our questions and then we pray together. And that's like, you know, we pray throughout the week together, but that's like our guaranteed time. We know that we're going to have that set aside. So been so huge. And I like can't stress enough how much it's helped us in our marriage. The second thing I would say is, I don't know how into this you are Stephanie. So, (laughs) but like, um, love languages and Enneagram numbers, yes, Uh, just kind of those like self-discovery for self growth tools. And we love them because they show us the box that boxes that we are in and teach us how to get out of them. Not, they don't become this excuse of like, Oh, you know, you're such a, whatever number you are, you know, not, not letting those things become excuses, but letting them be just self-discovery for self-growth tools. And so that's, um, both of those things have been so huge for just helping us understand each other, understand each other's pasts and how they've shaped the way that we are. Um, but also just understanding like our personalities and how our personalities work well together and So I'm an eight on the Enneagram and my husband is a nine and, and just reading about like how those numbers, um, fit together. You can go to this website, it's called the Enneagram Institute. They know their stuff, they're legit, but they do these comparisons. So you can see like your number and what it would be like in a relationship with another number. And one of the things that they describe Jeremy and I as is fire and ice, that eights are fire and nines are ice. And <laughs> like, that is the perfect example of our relationship. Um, so, so yeah, amazing. Enneagram has been super helpful. We love it. We've read all the books um, and then love languages, just knowing our love languages and knowing how we can better serve each other and love each other and understand each other through the lens of that. Again, that's another like you can take the online tests, but there's also a book called The Love Languages that sort of dives more into it in depth. Yeah, so do you guys? I just asked you. Do you guys? Do you guys know about Enneagram and love language? Do you guys use those? Yes.
0: Okay. So, um, for anyone who's like the Enne, what uh, yes. we we did <laughs> a, an episode. I think in our first season, we'll link to it in our show notes, um, but all like explaining the Enneagram. And we did it right around the time that I first got into it. And I really love it. Um, I'm a two and Carl is a five, which is, it's funny because it's helped us. So it's helped me learn so much about myself and, Mm -hmm. and it's helped him learn so much about me. His number is interesting because a lot of the traits of fives, like he doesn't, he's like a really social, really like warm five, which isn't always the case. And so I feel like our personalities look like they shouldn't go together at all. And it's just like God being so beautiful. And the fact that our take on them fits really, really well together. I love that. Um, But it's been so helpful. And there are things that, you know, like Carl needs alone time. Like he Mm -hmm. is an introvert and he, so he recharges when he has time by himself. And at first I feel like, I mean, I remember being kind of offended by that. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean you need time. And he wouldn't say like, you I need, yeah, he, he wasn't ever like, I need time away from you, but he just, I knew he needed time alone and I would go, okay, so that means he needs time away from me and my feelings would get hurt. But yeah. reading the Enneagram and reading about like truly how important that time is for someone with his personality, I'm like, oh my gosh, take it. Like yeah, totally take it. it. Yeah. Right. I, I just, I feel like I understand it in a new way. And I love that you mentioned the love languages because I think in a lot of, like a lot of times we can, like if if the way that, if your favorite way of showing love is words of affirmation and their favorite way of receiving love is gifts, Mm. you can feel like you are loving them to pieces and they can feel totally unloved. It's like you just miss each other. And so it's so nice to know, okay, well, so like gifts isn't necessarily my strength, but I'm going to really work on it because I want to, it's like, if you spoke English and he spoke Spanish, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to learn how to say, I love you in Spanish because I really want you to get it. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So totally, that's a
1: perfect example. I love that. That Those are such good. Those have been just huge. So helpful. Um, and then I would say, um, the third thing would be just date night, some type of like time to play together. And again, like I know date nights can cut that can seem kind of cliche and it it can be hard, you know, especially with like young children and, and busy lives and all of that. Um, but like, you know, we've sort of just like we try, we aim for every week to have a date night. Um, but we're okay if we don't make it one week because one of us is traveling or we have crazy commitments or whatever it is. Um, but we do try to make sure that we at least get like two date nights a month. And if we don't get like two date nights out together a month, then it's like we're playing a game together after we put our daughter down. You know what I mean? Like we're going to do something fun that's going to make us laugh mm-hmm. uh, because I think laughter is like such amazing medicine for marriage. Yes. Um, and so just playing together together. And then the fourth thing this kind of goes like sort of with that too is um we have a whole chapter in our book about this it's called the principle of sharing and um it comes from actually we sort of stole it from our favorite book which is a severe mercy it's an amazing love story if you've never read it it's absolutely beautiful um really old kind of famous book but anyways in the book in their in the book they it's a love story and so they have this thing that they um, referred to as the principle of sharing. And Joe and I loved it so much that we're like, we're adopting that in our relationship. Um, and the concept is essentially like, if your husband or wife or lover loves something, then there must be something to love about it, about mm. that thing. And so for Jer and I, like, we were sort of looking at like our parents' generation and like all the f- failed marriages from like our friends' parents and just that world. And just sort of like looking at like, okay, like what's, what is it that's like making that happen? And so often we were just finding that like, they just had different friends, different interests, different TV shows that they watched, different ways that they spent their evenings. You know what I mean? They just started living these different lives and couples that vie for different lives will eventually have them, you know? And so we were like, no, we wanna be super intentional about this concept of the principle of sharing where like, okay, Jeremy, for example, really loves soccer. I don't really care about soccer, but like <laughs> I committed to like, okay, I'm going to watch a couple of the world cup episodes with Jeremy and let him teach me about this. And I'm going to play in an indoor soccer game with his family on Thanksgiving. And I'm going to like, I'm going to like be willing to immerse myself into that Interest and thing that he loves, so that a I can relate to it and understand him better. But also, it's just it's just a sacrificial willingness. It's just another way that I can love him. Um, and then on the flip side, like we talk about this also in the book, Jeremy literally ran a half marathon for me um, before we were dating, just at the chance that he might be able to see me at the end of the race. Oh <laughs> and my gosh! So like you know, it just running has also been something that like Jeremy never ever was a runner and still you know isn't a runner but then since being married we've trained for half marathons together and he's sort of learned to love running because i love running and it's helped him understand me so much better so we even go as far as to sometimes like read the same books so that we can be filling our minds with similar things that we can have conversations around and not to like a creepy weird extent where it's like we do everything the same you know like it's not like that uh, but just the heart to like um to learn and love to learn to love the things that each other loves. And so, um, that's just been a really helpful thing for us too. So yeah, those are kind of my, my four go-tos. I love that so much. I, the, the last
0: thing about couples who vie for different lives will eventually have them. Like you can see how really small decisions and really small. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it's beautiful to have like your own friends and to be able to, to do things independently because Right. You know, usually, um, and you and I, you're an exception and I have been an exception for several years of our marriage. Like usually you're not with your spouse hundred percent of right. the time. And right. so it's really good to, to like, you need to be your own person and bring your own person to the table. But at the same time, like sharing in the things and, and you get to know your person better when you get to know the things that they love and, and what a kind thing for you to love something that, he loves it for him to love yeah. something you love, and um, I'm sitting here being so grateful that Carl doesn't love to run because, Audrey, I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm the worst runner on the planet. <laughs> like Carl, like in so much love. Like this doesn't even hurt my feelings because it's so true, and it's and and he laughs so much. But like Carl <laughs> could show you how I run. Like he had, like I have <laughs> such a distinct run that he can like demonstrate it. It's so it's I'm so such a terrible funny. runner, so I'm really. Grateful that that's not one of his things, but <laughs> he loves football. Carl loves football, and yeah. I, I always have, I've have liked football. Um, he loves it way more than than I do, and he does lots of like fantasy football things. But he's uh-huh. been so good to like include me in him. So he's telling me, okay, I'm trying to pick between this kicker and this kicker today. Like, yeah. what do you think I should pick? And it makes me feel like I'm a part of it, and and okay. it's really fun to get to join in something he cares about and he gets to do the same thing for me. Yeah, I I love love that he does that. That's awesome. It's, yeah, I mean, it makes it so much, it makes it so much more fun. Otherwise, we're just watching a bunch of football games for teams that I don't care about. I care about some teams, but not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it definitely helps. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com help, slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. Use as directed. Clareton, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, Must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And... What do I even say other than, Hey. <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So you mentioned date nights, and I'm really glad you did because, you know, we talk about dating a lot when we're single and um, when we are, you know, dating and meeting our person and, like, starting to be in a relationship. We talk about dating a lot, but I think that it's so easy to forget about dating when you're married. And it makes sense. You know, date nights are expensive, especially when you're paying for childcare on top of it. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's hard to find the time. Like, I think there are days when, you know, we've both had just a really long week and we just want to come home and collapse at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. But
0: I do know that date nights are so important. So, can you like just give us any advice you have about how to? really make them happen, how to carve out that time and that money and some, some things we, you know, if we are short on time or if we are short on money, how we can still make date nights
1: a reality. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not speaking from, we have not mastered this. Like I said before, date night is something that we do sometimes miss. And that's been the reality of this past year of life has just been a little crazy for us. Um, but even if we do miss date night, like I said before, like we do try to like, be intentional about like, okay, we're going to play a game tonight or we're going to find something that we can laugh together on. Um, but I would say like when it comes to childcare and, and date nights can be expensive, especially if you live in the city, we have found that like some of our most fun date nights are the free ones where we literally, you know, go for a really long walk, um, and maybe go to a food cart. You know, that's a really big thing here in Portland or go for a bike ride or a hike or do a day date on Saturday where it's like we're not going out in the evening. But, you know, we're going to go for like a morning hike and and drop our daughter off at one of our parents or her, her cousin, let her go have a play date with her cousin. Other things that we've done, we've actually like brought both Jeremy and I love to play chess. And so we've actually like brought our chess board to a restaurant and like gone out for drinks or dessert or whatever. And then just like set up our chess board at the restaurant and like played chess for hours. And like, you know, we buy food and, and maybe a drink, but like beyond that, we're having so much fun. And like people come up to us and they're like, what are you guys doing? But then it just like sparks fun conversations too. And that's just been like something super fun. And then another thing, um, you know, this is like, we maybe do this once every six months or so um, as kind of like a splurge date night, but we, have you ever done a progressive dinner? Okay. No, I haven't, but I've heard of them and I can't believe I haven't done one before. Explain it to us just in case. Okay. So it's super it. easy. Um, You can do it with friends. That's kind of like how people, like how it started. Most people hear that term and think of like dinner hopping from house to house. So like I have friends that like live close together and they'll do appetizers at one house, walk to the next house, dinner at that house, you know, dessert at the next house and drinks at the next house or whatever. And super fun way to like, you know, everyone sort of makes their own meal or their own thing, but you're not going out and spending all this money. You don't have to drive. And so like, it's super fun to do it that way. Or what Jeremy and I have done too is we'll get appetite, like an appetizer at each restaurant, but it gives us a chance to like try new fun places without spending a whole bunch of money. So we'll go split an appetizer at one restaurant. Then we'll go to the next ones, split an appetizer there, and then maybe like split a dessert at the third place And then go home and it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's fun. And we take turns like picking the places. So there's that element of surprise where we're trading off finding and discovering new spots. And it just gives you a chance to do that without like having this whole sit down meal thing. Super fun, really fun to do with friends that like are maybe in town visiting and want to see where you live um, and you want to take them out, but you can't decide where to take them. Like we've done that all the time with our friends. We're like, we're going to do a progressive dinner. And then we just take turns paying the bill, like back and forth. That's been super fun. And then another thing too, I would say, as far as like childcare goes, like find some good friends that you can trade off watching each other's kids, you know, like, Hey, we're going to watch your kids one night so that you can go out on a date. And then you watch our kids one night so that we can go out on a date. Then that's free childcare and you're just like basically taking turns, but just, you know, that's another fun, easy way to just save some money. So yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm freaking out over that progressive dinner idea. I don't know why
0: it never occurred to me, but, and we love appetizers. Like we're like tapas people so much. Like, (laughs) I I mean, any, any situation where it's like an appetizer sampler or at a Spanish restaurant, you can get tapas, but it's, That is so genius because there's so many restaurants that we, like there's always a new restaurant in Nashville and I know it's the same in Portland. And so, and to get like a whole meal there is such a big ordeal. And also it doesn't really take up the night. And so uh, I'm just geeking out over this idea. That is so good. Um, And and you can do it when you end at
1: like, you don't have to, they don't have to be all food places. You know, you could get you could do appetizer appetizer trampoline park or you know I don't know whatever you want <laughs> unless do, you but. eat
0: too much and then that's terrible. Yeah, maybe maybe reverse that order. <laughs> trampoline park appetizer appetizer. You know. I but. love that. That's such a good idea. Carl and I I feel like have done date nights a little bit differently. We in this last season we haven't had a regular date night in the week, but we do have a time of the day that's usually just reserved for us, like we usually mm-hmm. dinner is just us usually um most nights of the week, and it's just our time to be together and so, um we're in kind of a season where we can do that where we get to have lots of sort of mini date nights that's um, awesome, but we we have done like traditional date nights and and I know we will again too. We've done them a little differently when it comes to how we budget for them and how we like what we choose to do. We are huge travelers, like we love yeah. traveling, and so. We have missed out on some of the best restaurants in Nashville and things like that because I feel like when we're home, we're sort of in between trips. So we're like we're such homebodies yeah. when we're home, and then we go to the next place and really do it up there. And uh-huh. so we I feel like a lot of our our budget goes to like saving for the next adventure. And then, in the meantime, sometimes our date nights are, like, one of our most consistent date nights is actually going to Chick-fil-A and then walking around Target. That's awesome. I love that. It's, like, it's so, it's,
1: I love it so much. That's a great date.
0: It's such a great date. And I find that usually, you know, when we, like, the fancier the meal, I think the higher the expectation is for the date. Like, you you have to have this epic conversation and it has to be worth however much you just paid. If you're eating Chick-fil-A and you're, like, sitting in the restaurant and you're facing each other and you're talking, I find that, it takes so much of the pressure off. And so we have the Mm. funniest conversations and the most fun, like wandering around and looking at things at Target. And it's just, it's such a silly tradition that we didn't really even mean to create. And like truly most, most of the time you can find us doing something along the lines of, of that for our date nights. And then interspersed is like, you know, an adventure somewhere. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Speaking of busy seasons and, and trying to find time to, or like making time to really invest in each other. What have you guys found when it comes to like bringing romance into the middle of hard seasons? I know you guys have a little one and I know that when you, especially when you first have a baby, you're like, just your hair is on fire. Like you're just trying yeah. to kind, kind of keep things under control. Carl and I are both entrepreneurs also. And, um, there are just seasons where it's like, there's just. You're just not thinking like romance. You're just trying to kind of get through it. What have you guys found for for kind of infusing some of those
1: busier seasons with romance? Yeah. So super simple things. I mean, we're just trying to keep it simple (laughs) with some of those things right now in the season of our life. It has been one of those seasons where it's been harder. You know, we've had seasons where we've had much more romantic, elaborate, thought out romantic date nights and then since having a baby it's been sort of different. One of the things that we have been, we sort of like wrote it down when we were doing our goal setting and like sort of vision casting for the year is just like morning hugs in the kitchen. And I know that sounds like so basic, but just you know, I think what we were doing was like sort of getting up in the morning and then like putting our hands on the machine gun and just like tackling the today's tasks, you know, and <laughs> and just like going for it. It was like, okay, well, hold on. Like we just, we needed a minute to just like sort of connect at the beginning of the day, because what was happening was we were connecting at the end of the day and recapping the day and whatever. But then we were sort of just kind of like experiencing this frustration and like and like tension between us all day because we didn't take just that small moment to connect with each other at the beginning of the day. And so for us, it's just like, you know, Jerry makes me coffee every morning and just like a hug in the kitchen. So basic, you know, before Ember wakes up, the house is quiet. And just like to have a long hug of just like, let's, you know, we're going to set our day off on on this foot of connecting for a moment physically, um, which is physical touch is both one of Jerry and I's top love languages. So That has been something that has been very helpful. Um, And then another thing is um, another thing that is also new that we sort of like we just are coming off of like about a month ago. We did this whole like sort of marriage retreat vision casting for the year thing. And um, and one of the things that came from that another thing is we have these jars by the sides of our bed and every night we write down one thing that we were thankful for for the other person that day or one one thing that we loved about them or one thing that we saw in them that could encourage them or a truth or whatever and we just write down a slip of paper something super small tell it to the person and then slip it in their jar and that idea sort of came from a couple years back. Jeremy actually got me a jar for my birthday and did that for a year. And we sort of like, we're like, let's resurface that idea this year and both do it. And so, um, that's been just like a fun sort of like romantic again, it's so simple and it's so cheap. Um, (laughs) but just like an easy way to connect at the end of the day. So we have that moment in the morning and then that moment at night. So those are just, I know these sound like really simple and not like these elaborate, fun, romantic things, but they have been so helpful and life-giving for just this crazy season that we're in right now and getting ready to launch our first book. So yeah, those are my things right now.
0: (laughs) I love those so much. And it really is amazing how just a moment in the beginning of the day or the end of the day just changes things. It just reminds you that you're on the same team, that you're not against each other, you're for each other, that- you know, mm-hmm. you have that, per- that person has your back They're in your corner for the day. And it's just, it's such like little things make such a big difference. Like even if it's a text message in the middle of the day, which Carl and I usually don't text very much during the day, we're just sort of like, sprinting through the day just trying to, you know, (laughs) like our connection time is on other sides of it. But even just like every once in a while, he'll send me just a really sweet text telling me that he loves me and he's proud of me. And, and it just means so much to me. And so it's just every once in a while or um, something I really tried to do is is when he comes home at the end of the day. Um, one, he gives me some just, and we have to do this just because I work at home and I love it. Um, but he lets me know when he's leaving the office. And I know that I have about 20 minutes to like un- mm. unwind from my day, like shut down my computer, get out of work mode, just that's get ready to end. connect. And so that's really helpful. And then when he walks in the door, I really try every day to show him that I'm as excited as I am that he's home. And mm. I think sometimes I can just be like, okay, oh, hey. but, but really it's sort of this habit we've gotten in of like, it's an event when we get to come back together and, yeah, and that's it's like cool. a big hug and a kiss and like, hi, I'm so glad you're home. And it's something we've done for, for five years, but it's, it's just a little thing. He's excited yeah. about coming home. I'm excited that he's home. And it like kicks off that time together in such a good way, but it's such a little thing.
1: Totally. That's amazing. I love that. That inspires me. (laughs) Oh, I love
0: that. So, Audrey, something you guys talk about a lot is how you bring God into your marriage. Um, And I feel like even saying it that way is kind of not necessarily what I mean because God is underneath our marriage marriage and in our marriage and on top (laughs) of our marriage and around our marriage. But how do we connect with God as a married couple? I think that, like, how do we make sure or how do we How do we make sure that God is in our marriage and above our marriage and the foundation of our marriage, and what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the first—that was the first thing that I was going to say that popped in my mind. Well, like God is in your marriage. You know, if you're walking with the Lord and um, and you're you're inviting Him into your marriage, then He is in our marriage. We like Jared and I coined this phrase that's also engraved on the inside of my ring, my wedding ring. He wrote it to me in a poem one time. He said, Let's braid it together, Christ, you and I. And the word or like the braid it phrase sort of stuck and we would say it to each other, like, you know, that that vision of a braid and the verse in ecclesiastics that talks about a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And and you know, you think about a braid and it needs that those three strands to stay strong. It can't be just a weave, you know. Have you ever tried to twist your hair and then put a hair tie at the bottom? It's gonna unravel and fall out, <laughs> yes. <up>, you know. <laughs> and so, um, so that braided thing for us, um, just that I think that's a strong visual, but, you know, in terms of just like including the Lord in our marriage and letting him lead our marriage um, and our decisions, it's just like, you know, one of the biggest things is just inviting him in through prayer and just, okay, Lord, like, you know, what do you have for us in this area and, and going to the Lord? in prayer and together in prayer, not just individually in prayer, but literally praying together out loud, um, has been a very powerful thing for us. Um, and just a great way to sort of just like, you know, come back home to Jesus (laughs) together. And we don't actually do like devotional times together daily or anything like that. I know couples that do do that. Um, that hasn't been something that we've really done. Um, we definitely will have times like, where we'll do like a whole day long devotional together, yeah, you know, more like extreme, or you know, like we're both reading a book that's really sparked like a long conversation. Or if we're on a road trip, then we'll talk. You know, we'll have lots of conversations and stuff like that. There's been times where like Jeremy will just literally read the word out loud to me and and watch me with the word, but it's not a daily basis thing for us to spend time together in the word. We have just sort of you mostly done that separately. And I know there's different, you know, thinking about that, but that's just kind of what's worked for us and what we've chosen to do. But, but yeah, I would say definitely prayer. Um, and then also just like surrounding yourself with community, your marriage with community and fellowship, um, people that can point you back to Jesus and call things out in your marriage that maybe aren't a representation of, of the gospel or of God's heart for marriage um, in relationships. And so surrounding ourselves with other married couples that are in the season of life ahead of us, Jare and I try to have dinner once a month with a couple that's older and wiser than us, that's sort of further down the journey. And that's been something that has like been just absolutely amazing for our marriage, Um, letting those people speak in, um, but also just, you know, your friends, your peers, people that are in the same season of life as you, letting them speak in, letting them hear your struggles and, and have a voice there to sort of point you back to Jesus and to pray again, pray for you and with you and for your marriage. So yeah, those are some, those are, those are some of the things that just come to mind, I guess, right off the bat, but
0: I love that so much. I really do. I, I feel like you. everything you said is like straight out of my heart and straight out oh. of the things that, that Carl and I have learned. We don't um do like devotions or read the Bible together either. And I've talked about this on the show before, but um, Carl is such, as a five on the Enneagram, he's yeah. such a yeah. learner. And yeah. so it's like he... To to read a quick devotional in the morning or something is so opposite to his his personality. If he starts diving into something, he'll be He's there for hours. Yeah, yeah like yeah. like wants to know the history, the Greek, the translations, the I mean, mm. just l- everything. Whereas I'm way more feely and want to have like a heart to heart with God every day. So <laughs> Love it. It's it's so good for us to go seek Him individually and then come together. But yeah, we definitely are not like first thing in the morning
1: that study yeah. doers
0: together. So I'm glad that we're not alone. <laughs> yeah, we're not alone. <laughs> we're not alone. Um yeah. I think that that's another thing like how you know everyone says that there are like marriage rules. There aren't. There're like guidelines. It's right. um or there there're things like best practices. And a best practice is mm, yeah. like spend time with the Lord in your own life, like get closer to him and talk yeah. about it together every once in a while. But just because some couple, you know, spends 3 hours together worshiping every morning doesn't mean that that's right for you. It also mm-hmm. that's also a great thing. It's just we all have different like personalities and relationships yeah. with the Lord and anyway.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, Audrey, <laughs>
0: my last question for you is if you could go back and tell yourself your your 1 year into marriage self something, mm. what would you tell? What would you tell you?
1: Mm. I would say Probably something to do with, like, don't be afraid to make your expectations clear. Just so we, one thing that we sort of learned early in our marriage was we kind of had different expectations for how we would celebrate things like anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's Day. And this goes back to like, at the time we didn't know our Enneagram numbers. We didn't know our love languages or we hadn't studied them as much then. Um, and so we just didn't know how to honestly have those conversations about like expectations and what each other needs or what each other wants. And so like, I remember one year I planned this big elaborate surprise birthday for Jeremy and I put all this work into it. And then he was like, yeah, that's cool, babe. But like, I would have loved to just like, gone on a date with you, you know, like that would have, that would have filled me. And then on the flip side, like that same year, a couple months later on my birthday, we were moving like two days before and Jeremy like didn't even get me a gift or like, it was like so last minute. And I would, he made me sit in the car so he could like run into a store and grab something for me. And I was so heartbroken because for me, birthdays are like a big thing. Like I love birthdays and I love anniversaries and like those moments and days are special to me and I'm a gift gift receiving gifts person. And so we sort of learned from failing in those experiences, the first couple years of our marriage. And now we actually do this thing where we take turns every other year planning our anniversary and Valentine's day. So like this past year I planned our anniversary. So that way, like we're not like having this anniversaries to us are like national holidays. Like we <laughs> set aside a whole day. Like it's a whole thing. Like we believe you should celebrate your marriage once a year. Um, and so we, I planned it this past year and basically that way, Jeremy, you know, he still got me a gift, but then beyond that, like he doesn't have to worry about doing anything and it's fun for him. It's a surprise because in the beginning we were trying to surprise each other and it just didn't really work. It was like clunky. <laughs> and so we just decided like, let's just trade off. So like, this was my year for anniversary. This is his year for Valentine's day. I don't have to worry about Valentine's day at all. I know I'm just going to get him a gift and I just know like, whatever we do is whatever he plans, you know? Uh, But that's sort of, that's just been a fun thing. We love the element of surprise. So that sort of like brought that back in. And then like, you know, we don't have this, like it's, it's helped us just communicate our expectations and, and all of that. So I would just say like, talk about those those moments have the opportunity to just be like these huge, memorable, experience bonding moments in your marriage. Or a lot of times they can turn to like this catastrophe <laughs> because you didn't talk about it. Or you didn't plan, the expect, you know, make your expectations known. Or, you know, I've like so many friends whose like biggest fights are either on their anniversary or on a big day, you know, like because there's so much pressure like built up for that day. And if you don't, if you're not communicating it, then it can go awry. So that's just been a helpful thing. I wish we would have done it like day one, wedding day, like, okay, hey, next year you plan our anniversary and I plan Valentine's Day. Um, Cause it's just been so fun to sort of shift into that. So we love that. I love that. That's such good advice. I'm thinking of like, the first our first
0: um Valentine's Day together, Carl and I were working together. And so I thought that when I went into the office, like all the other girls, not and obviously not all the other girls, but so many <coughs> other girls were getting like giant bouquets of flowers. And I walk into the office and Carl and I worked like in the same room. And he didn't even like he didn't even say happy Valentine's Day for the whole day. <laughs> and I'm like getting progressively sadder and madder. And then also. Oh, I had yeah. asked him what we were doing for, like, what we were going to do. And I mean, Carl is a total foodie and it, it is great at planning dates. And I'm thinking it's our first Valentine's Day together. Like, he's going to plan something spectacular. And he kept telling me that he, he was given for, I think his birthday, like, by our company was given like a $20 gift card to, um, to Red Lobster. And <laughs> so he told me, he was like, we're going to go to Red Lobster for Valentine's Day. And I like, don't really eat seafood. Period. And also, like, not from... Not, not from places that aren't like near the coast, you know. And so I'm thinking yes. he's kidding, he's kidding, right? And so he he keeps doubling down on that idea that we're going to Red Lobster, and like telling me no, except we really are going to Red Lobster. And the more he says it, the more my expectations for what we're actually doing are getting enormous. Well, so at the very end of the yeah. day, he's like, okay, I'll meet you at your house. So he still didn't really say val- like Happy Valentine's Day. No flowers arrived at my desk or anything. Turns out his the day just got away from him, and he just did not get a chance to go get some. So he oh gets God, to my house yeah. with flowers, and I'm already sad. And I'm like, okay, so where are we going to dinner? And he goes, We're going to Red Lobster, I told you. And he was hundred percent serious. And oh his goodness. thought process was kind of like what we do. And I think this is where our Chick-fil-A date came from was that if it if we sort of kept it low-key, like we love each other so much and we're so excited about each other and we could have fun anywhere that it's kind of funny. Like it's it's funny to do to go to Chick-fil-A and have that be our date or something, you know? As long as it's known, the
1: expectation, like it's known, like, you know? But I
0: thought he was kidding. And so, I mean, I was devastated and he had to throw something together last minute and whatever. So it was our messiest Valentine's day ever. Well, ever since then, our place, we decided, we like made it, we made a tradition so that we knew what to expect. So for Valentine's day every year, in honor of that, we go to Olive Garden because I like Olive Garden better than Red Lobster. And so our place for Valentine's Day is truly, like we're both total foodies and our place is is uh, Olive Garden. And we go every Valentine's Day. And it's that like, our, it's funny. our thing. <laughs> but but it's like, I now we that. have it communicated. And so it's so helpful. And yeah, I love <laughs> stories like that. That's awesome. That's <laughs> such good advice. I love that. Um, well, Audrey, do you have any just last piece of encouragement for the women listening? If they're wanting to invest in their marriage or... They're like, just, I don't know. Give them a pep talk. I would love that. Oh man,
1: pressure's on. <laughs> um, Say something
0: inspiring now. Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. No, I mean, I just, so, you know, our book, A Love Letter Life, like the heart behind it is really just to like, you know, wherever people are at in their love story, whether you're like writing your prologue or you're deep into chapter 10 or, you know, you've been married for 30 years or whatever, you know, we believe that like There's still more ways that you can be creative, more ways that you can be intentional and more ways that you can be faithful in in your love story. And so we just have such a huge heart for inspiring people to, you know, subtitle of our book, but pursue creatively, date intentionally, love faithfully. And we think you can do that wherever you're at in your journey, in your love story, whether you've met, you know, the guy that you want to spend the rest of your life with or not, you can still be intentional about preparing for that love story. And like to the younger listeners listening that maybe are in that single season or they're not, they haven't found the person they want to spend their wa- the rest of their life with or not yet, I would just say like, you know, be intentional about like who you spend time with because you can't help who you fall in love with, but you can help who you spend time with. And that's something I used to always say to like my younger young life girls that I used to lead is like, you know, you never know when you're going to fall in love with someone. Um, so make sure you're intentional about like who you're spending time with and that it, that especially like in male, female relationships, it's someone that, you'd be okay falling in love with because you just never know but yeah I mean I just think that you know you can be intentional about carving out that love letter life like wherever you're at in your journey and continuing to press into that so we hope that this book is as a resource for that and a tool and, and an inspiration and maybe for some it's a rekindling or a relighting of the fire so yeah I love that
0: so much. Guys, we're going to be linking to everything in the show notes um, to the link for A Love Letter Life, a link for Audrey and, and Beating 50% and everything that thank they're doing. Know. We're going to have that linked in the show notes so you guys can find that there. Just in case you don't know where our show notes are, it's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. Um, and Audrey, thank you so much for being here. I just loved getting to connect with you. And I just know that this the things you shared today are going to be
1: game changers for the women listening. So thanks for uh, being here. Thank you so much, Stephanie. This was amazing. And I just, I love everything that you had to say too. So much, so many good truth bombs. So this was awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening to
0: today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take one quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So would you do me a huge favor and take just one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who've already done this, who have already left beautiful five-star reviews. It just means the world to me. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and you are going to love this one. See you then.